is in Ephesus. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 to the end of the chapter. Let's stand as we read God's word together. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. You may be seated. Let's take a moment to reflect on God's word. You turn in your Bibles, if you haven't been there, Second Timothy 3. It may be helpful for you to follow along in the handout that's in your bulletin as we work our way through this passage. The last weekend in September is the annual YMCA triathlon, which I have participated in a number of times. One of my strongest memories of the event, besides just finishing in an upright position, which is a very strong memory I have of the events, is the encouragement that you receive along the way. You, know, you start at the blockade runner and you swim over to CPAP Marina, which is a little less than a mile. And, of course, you're in a large crowd of a thousand participants and other people around sort of cheering you on as you go out in a flight. And then as you come to the transition area... Over at Riceville Beach State Park, there's all kinds of people, you know, looking for you or looking for different people or timers or people who are giving you water. And so there's all kinds of encouragement there, whether you're transitioning from the swim to the bike or then after the bike, you come back and you transition into the run. And lots of people who don't even know you, you just have a number on your chest and they'll call out your number and say, keep it up, number 683. Or maybe they're just encouraging me because they could see this man needs a great deal of encouragement. It doesn't appear as if he's gotten into the right event, actually. And so they just call my number out and I hear it. Well, when you come to the end of the race, there's about a 50 yard gauntlet of people. And they're all sort of lining the race, and then you have the finish line with the clock, and they're all just cheering you on as you just struggle through the last 50 yards. And occasionally, even the MC or the guy with the little mic will call out your number and say, Paul Phillips has just finished. And lots of people cheer and hold signs up and that sort of thing. The, the greatest impact for you as a participant to finishing the race is not the encouragement. It's your training. But the encouragement helps a whole lot. And so when we turn to 2 Timothy, the real value in 2 Timothy is that 
Paul, the apostle, is cheering Timothy on to, to continue in his training, to continue to do the things that he knows are the right things to do. If you haven't done any training, you try to do the triathlon, it's going to be a long afternoon for you. But it really does help to have people that are standing along the side saying, keep it up. I know you can do it. Don't stop. And so really that's what's happening here for Paul and Timothy. Paul is trying to stand alongside this young disciple, Timothy, and encourage him as he leads this church in Ephesus. Paul had met Timothy as a very young boy, probably a young teenager. And if you wanted to, you could look back at Acts chapter 14. Paul goes on his first missionary journey and he goes into this area called Galatia. That's why we have the book of Galatians. And as he goes to these different towns, Iconium and Derby, and he comes to Lystra and Antioch. These are all small towns in the same area. And as he comes across this one town, Lystra, Something very unusual happens, a very powerful event. He comes to this town and he heals this man who's been crippled. And immediately the townspeople think that Paul is some kind of God. They're calling him Zeus. And so they're looking at him and they start to sort of worship him and bow down to him. And Paul say, no, that's not who I am. But let me tell you about the real God. And so he begins to tell the people about the real God. And wouldn't you know, people from another town who didn't like Paul came into that town, began to stir up the town against Paul. And some of the same people who were, thi- who were thinking Paul was a God, several days later, stoned Paul. They drag him out of the city and they leave him for dead. Most stonings, you die at the end of the stoning. And so some of Paul's friends, very possibly Timothy is a young, young man, comes outside the city gate and they're going to get Paul up and I guess bury him. And they find out that he's alive. And so they bring him back into the city and they care for him. And then he goes on through his first missionary journey. Eventually, Paul comes back on a second missionary journey. And he picks up Timothy, now a few years older, and Timothy becomes his disciple. And then Timothy travels along with these journeys that Paul goes on. And Paul ends up in a very prominent city called Ephesus. And eventually he leaves Timothy in Ephesus to be the leader of the church. And Paul goes on, he ends up in Rome in prison. And now here he is in his last days, and he's writing back to Timothy some encouraging words. This is Paul's very last letter, 2 Timothy Coming back to Timothy, who's the leader in Ephesus. And one of Paul's primary exhortations here to Timothy is to stay in the word. Don't get sidetracked. There's a a lot of things going on in the world. And you can begin to start looking after those things and, and following after those things. And he's saying, you, you are a man of God. You must stay in the Word. Don't think you just know the Word and then sort of graduate beyond it. Stay in the Word for the rest of your life. Teach the people the Word. Teach the people to stay in the Word. And that's one of the exhortations we're picking up here today. Excuse me. The practice of the spiritual disciplines are the training component. Paul here is coming as a, a person alongside Timothy, cheering him on to say, keep going in this 
same direction. And so this morning, I want to be kind of an encourager to you. Whether you're a, a young person, which I'll talk about in a moment, whether you're a mom or dad or a grandparent, which I'll talk about in a moment, whether, whether uh, you're somebody who feels like you're slipping away, I want to be today like the person who's standing alongside of your course and be a cheerleader. Don't, don't give up. Stay in the Word. Don't get sidetracked. Don't think you've graduated past it into something else that's more important. So that's my my picture here of what Paul is doing for Timothy and what I want to do for you today. And I think as we look through here, we're going to find three things, and they're on your outline. First, we're just going to see Paul's exhortation to, to Timothy to remain or to continue in the Word. Secondly... Paul's going to give him some examples of people that have gone before him that would serve as a great motivation for Timothy. And finally, Paul's going to talk about the good effect of God's word in Timothy's life. So there's an exhortation. There's some examples that are given. And then finally, there's the good effect of the word. So let's talk about the exhortation. Verse 11. Let's start with verse 10. You, however, have followed my teaching and my conduct, my aim in my life and my faith and my patience and my love and my steadfastness. And Timothy, you know my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra. That's Timothy's hometown. You know those things. You remember the persecutions and sufferings. You you know Firsthand, by looking at my life, Timothy, you know the cost of discipleship. And it's just not the cost that I'm going to have. Notice in verse 13, it says, or verse 12, Indeed, all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everyone who wants to train for this race and gets involved in this race, all people. In the Greek, the word all, you know what that means in the Greek? All. Everyone who really wants to get involved with Jesus Christ, who's really seriously going to take up the training for Jesus, not just say, I invited in my heart, and then go live your life the way you want. People who begin to put on the, the full armor of God, the aroma of Christ, Those people are going to be persecuted, Timothy. You've seen it in my life, and it's going to be happening to you. So there's a cost. Before you get in, I want you to see there's a cost. Verse 12. But before you get out, I want you to see there's a cost. And I don't think we calculate this cost very well. Look at verse 13. Evil people, this is going to be contrasting people to godly people, evil people and imposters, they will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So Paul's reminding Timothy of two things. Timothy, if you want to get into this race, there's going to be a cost. But if you don't want to get into this race, there's also going to be a cost. You're going to go from bad to worse. You're going to be being deceived and deceiving other people. 
So often we have this picture of it's just difficult to be a Christian if you're not a, not a non-Christian. There's really no cost. And that's not what Paul is saying here. You go from bad to worse. You live your life being deceived. You're not sure what really the truth is. You live without hope. And so Paul is writing this to his young friend Timothy. Because he sees the in his youth, it's easy, easy to get attracted to things of the world. And so as I read through this scripture this week, I, I began thinking about my young friends at Christ Community Church. You know, whether that's Nathan or Grant, or whether that's Tony, or whether that's Kristen, whoever it may be, here's a word for you. Paul is, is cheering his young friend on, and he's saying to him, don't be deceived. In, in this world, there's going to be a cost if you, if you live your life for Christ, but there's a steeper cost if you don't. You're going to go from bad to worst. Don't be duped. Don't fall into the trap that those people without Christ, they're living it up. They, they've got it going, and I don't have it going. That's being duped. That's being deceived. Paul understands from firsthand the experience of a young man falling away. Look in your Bibles. Just You might not even have to turn the page to chapter 4 in 2 Timothy, verse 9. There's a very sad sentence in here. Chapter 4, verse 9. This is the end of the letter. Do your best to me to come do your best to come to me soon. There's a certain desperation in Paul's writing here. Verse 10. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. Here was a young person who at some point had caught fire. And he'd come alongside the Apostle Paul and he'd seen his life and he had a hunger for what Paul had a hunger for. And he was excited about the things of the Lord. But then somewhere along the line, it got difficult. And the things of the world began to take on a certain attractiveness. And following Christ now became really just too painful, too costly. And so Demas, in love with this present world, falls away. I hope for my young friends here, I'm standing alongside of your course. And you may be today as a a 15 or 16 or 18 or 20 or 22 year old. You're on fire. You're really ready to have it happen for you. You you really want to walk with the Lord. And I want to stand alongside and say, just keep in the Word. Never go away from the Word. Never graduate from the Word. Don't think the Word is something that just is really good stories for VBS. And then you just sort of fade away from it. Don't think of the Word as just something that looks great on the back of a t-shirt for your youth retreat. But then when you get to college, you sort of graduate out of really following after the Word or needing to know about the Bible. And you sort of graduate into science. 
and business and philosophy. Never graduate. You never graduate out of the Word. And so I'm looking at my young friends intentionally. Never go away from the Word. Never feel like you've outgrown the Word. Always stay, always remain in the Word. Well, here's here's his exhortation, verse 14. But as for you, meaning Timothy, you continue in what you have learned. At the end of this verse 15, the things that you've been acquainted with, the sacred writings, the word continue in means to remain or dwell or stand in. Don't don't move away. Build your whole life on the word. Build your marriage on the word. Build your career on the word. Build your choices on the word. Let everything that you do come out of the word of God. I had a recently a young man come by my office, somebody I didn't know. He was a friend of a friend and uh, he had some issues going on in his life. And the person that I knew said, well, why don't you go see Paul Phillips? And so he came by my office recently and he walked in and he began to sort of unpack some of his life. And he was in my office because he had problems. A lot of people that come by. My office are ready to unload some problems. And so here's a young man who maybe is 25 or 26. And after he tells me some of the stuff, I say, well, you know, where would you say this began? Because it wasn't always like this. No, it wasn't always. Where did it begin? Well, I had some bitterness, some difficult things happen in my life, and I got bitter. And when I got bitter... I really got bitter against God. And when I became bitter against God, I stopped reading God's word. And I wish I could tell you about his life. Because it's gone from bad to worse. Some of you all who are a little older know what I'm talking about. Somewhere along the line, you got offline. And the Bible that was so life-giving and important, just, you know, it wasn't every day, it was every other day. And then it was once a week, and then it just, it just began to slip to the shelf that was a little too high to reach, and I just didn't get to it every day. And then you find yourself in positions, you think, how did I get out here? Never slip away from the Word. It's the light unto your path. It's giving you the direction for your life, or it should be. Two reasons that Timothy is given that he should continue in the word, this exhortation. He's, he's cheering them on, saying, you remain, you stay. I, I'm going to form sort of a boundary for you, Timothy. I'm not going to let you go past this. I, I want you to stay in the word. And then he's going to give them a couple of reasons. First, godly examples. And secondly, the good effect. Verse 14, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. If you looked back at 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5, you would see that Paul talks about 
the example of Timothy, Timothy's grandmother, whose name was Lois, and his mother named Eunice. What you know from this text and a couple of others, conspicuously missing from Timothy's life is his father. The only thing that we know for certain is that his mother was a Jewish lady and his father was a Greek and in all likelihood a non-believer, at least a non-factor in the spiritual development of his son. And one of the character traits of Timothy that you would pick up by just reading through this book is that Timothy is very timid. And so Paul constantly is saying, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. And of course, I'm wondering if there's a correlation between the lack of a father's involvement in the spiritual development of a son and the son's development of being afraid. We looked up this week how many members, just from our membership, how many children that we have still living in the home of our members. So we just took members, people who are members of Christ Community Church, and then we just took zero to 18. We said, well, how many kids is that for people at Christ Community Church? How many do you think it would be? A hundred. That was a lot. A hundred kids are still at home, just at Christ Community Church, and still have the opportunity for a dad to come alongside and read the scriptures and remain in the scriptures with their kids. So at Christ Community Church, we have a lot of great dads. And so what I want to do, I want to stand alongside of dads right now and say, come on, dads. Don't give up. Don't don't right now in the midst of this, all the busyness of your life, don't, don't you wander away. Stay in there, dads. Your kids need to see you remaining in the Word. If you look at chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Dark times are coming. And dad, dark times are coming for your own children. And they're going to need to see somebody remaining in the Word. So come on. Keep it up. Don't grow weary. Don't get too tired. These hundred kids are dying for dads to continue in God's Word. So keep it up. Moms and grandmothers. I don't think Paul could have elevated these two women any more than he did. Here's this great early church leader. He's leading one of the most important churches at the time in Ephesus. And he's saying, Timothy, when you get confused, go back and remember the life of your mother and your grandmother. And so if you need help today, moms or grandmothers, especially if you feel like you're you're sort of the person carrying the spiritual load. I want to be the cheerleader. 
As you run your course with your kids, I want to look at moms and say, come on, moms. Don't stop. I mean, even if you feel like you're carrying a lot of the weight, keep going. There's young little Timothys in your house that they're still looking. They're looking for somebody who would stay in the Word, live their life according to the Word, remain in the Word, have everything everything about their life come out of the Word. And moms and grandmothers, you can be that person for your child. Even if your, your husband is absent, you can still come alongside. And your remaining in the Word can bring up great godly boys and girls who can be great leaders in the church tomorrow. So Paul goes back and he says, I want you to look at your parents. But he also gives them another example. Verse 10. He says, it's not just your parents you've been sort of tracing out steps on. He said, Timothy, you can look at me. You've been following me since you've been a a young boy. You've followed my teaching. This means you've, you've traced out my steps. This young teenage boy began to be like a, a boy tracing the footsteps of a man walking ahead of him in the sand. And you've not only traced out my steps for my teaching, but you've also traced out steps in my conduct. Now, the implications for Sunday school teachers and youth group leaders are huge in this passage. So if you're a Sunday school teacher or a youth group leader and you just feel like, I'm tired. I understand that. And you may be tired. But I want you to, I want to stand alongside of you and say, come on teachers. Come on youth group leaders. Kids, these same hundred kids, they're coming to the stuff that we're doing. And a lot of these kids are tracing out what you teach and how you live your life. They're looking at how you live your life. And they're seeing if it matches up with what you say. And does it match up with how your parents are telling you? So I know as a dad, I want desperately for my kids to be involved in what's happening here at Christ Community Church. I want desperately for them to be known and know the Sunday school teachers and youth group leaders at Christ Community Church. I need for them to begin to trace out the steps of other people and say, Hey, all those people, they're going in the same direction. That's the direction I want to be going. So come on, dads. Come on, moms. Come on, teachers. We have a whole group of young men and young women who are tracing out their steps. Not just in what you say, but how you live your life. They're watching and listening to both of those things. So Paul is giving an exhortation to his young friend. You, you young friend, you remain in the Word. And when you just feel like you're falling apart, look around at the people you've been tracing their steps about. Your parents, your grandparents, your teachers. Follow after their way when you feel like you're losing your way. And finally, he gives this good effect 
we see in verse 14 and following, there's a good effect of God's word. Staying in God's word is a is a huge need for spiritual discipline. And so he's saying, I want you to see the good effect. Verse 14, the sacred writings, this how he's pointing back to the Old Testament, are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible, God's word, able to make you wise for salvation. How would you know about your need for salvation and God's answer for salvation, meaning Jesus Christ, without the Bible? I mean, what if you lived in one of these countries that didn't have a Bible? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, it raises up the value of needing to have a Bible. And he's saying, the Bible is helping you know about salvation through Jesus Christ. Some of you know the the Romans road when you begin to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ and you're trying to sort of walk them down the road and you're trying to do it scripturally as best you can. And so, so... there's something called the Romans Road. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody needs to start at that point. Everyone has sinned and they've fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23. And the wages of that sin is Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Because in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. That while we were in the sinful condition, Christ died for us. In Romans 10, 13, now anyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. Praise the Lord for the Word of God. It opens us, opens up a door to salvation. And that's not it. It's not just that we be just come become Christians and we're now heavenly minded and we don't know what to do sort of down here for the remaining 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years. The Word of God has uh, exercise in your soul for salvation and exercises your soul in sanctification, meaning what you do and how you live your life. And Paul unpacks that. Look at verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. One commentator put it like this. The word of God is profitable for teaching and helps you know what is right. It's profitable for rebuking. It tells you what's not right. 
It's profitable for correcting. It teaches you how to know how to get it right. And it's profitable for training. It helps you know how to keep it right. Several years ago, I hurt my back and I had to go to an orthopedic guy and he took some x-rays of my back. And you know what he did? First thing he did is he showed me a picture and said, Paul, here's a good back. This is what a good back looks like. And then he slaps up my x-ray. That's your back. You got some problems. And he finally said, now, this is how we're going to get that back back over here. And once we get it back, this is how you're going to have to train your back so it stays that way. That's what the Word of God does for us in our lives. It shows us what's right. How do we make the difficult choices in our culture today? You have to have the Word. What's wrong? Well, you go to the Bible and the Bible tells you, no, that's not the right way to think. That's not the right way to go. Well, how do I get it straight? You live according to the Bible. How do I keep it straight? You stay in the Word. So I don't know if you're here today possibly as somebody who's really on the, on the wrong track. And maybe I don't need to be a cheerleader. I need to be sort of a signal caller. And saying, don't go that way. When you make certain turns on the course in a triathlon, they have people that say, go this way. Don't go that way. And if you're here without Jesus Christ, you're going the wrong way. And you may feel like for the moment it feels pretty good, but you're in a bad condition that's only going to get worse. But you may be a young person here and you're just starting. Maybe nobody would know except for you. Maybe you don't even know. You're just starting to slip away. Prone to wonder. You feel it? You're prone to wonder? Stay in the Word. Maybe you're a dad or a mother or a grandmother. Come on. Come on. A hundred kids. They're looking at you. Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher or a youth group leader. Come on. These kids are tracing your steps out. Let's pray. Lord, this is a word for us to remain, to stay, to take our stand, to continue in the word of God. And we have all kinds of help out on the information table, but at the end... Each person that's in this room has to go home and begin to read their Bible. It's, it's the only thing that lasts forever. Of all heaven and earth, everything will, will fade away, but the Word of God remains the same. It's the only thing that's living and active And so I pray, Lord, that it penetrates our soul. It helps us make our decisions. And for those, 
Lord, here that are slipping away. They're, they're captured like Demas by the world. Would today be the day they get back on the right course and remain in your word? Lord, for those who need people to run alongside of them, would you provide that for them? And Lord, if there's anyone here that's on the wrong course, may they contact someone, me or someone else, about knowing more about a life, the life, with Jesus Christ. We come to you now with our offerings. We're just giving back. We we simply are stewards of our time and stewards of our resources. And so we're just giving these things back, reminding ourselves that one day you will come. We want to have our hearts right. We don't want to be captured by our money or anything else. And so we thank you for the the spiritual discipline of giving that encourages us us to keep our eyes off of ourselves and on to you. In Jesus' name, amen.